Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. What's up, Cougar Nation? This is Tyler Batty. Tyler Batty again. Tyler Batty comes in the game and right off the edge, just a three-man rush. Cougar Nation, BYU football is back. The 2022 season is going to be one that's filled with a lot of highlights, a lot of excitement, and it's the final independent tour. I'm your BYU insider, Mitch Harper, with KSLSports.com. Cougar Tracks is going to be bigger than and better than ever before, too. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we'll have Cougar Tracks episodes. And then you're also going to get these special edition episodes with the pride of Payson, Utah, a man that I've talked to uh, many years now, and uh, he's he's rose to stardom in this BYU football program. And I think he's even better days are ahead of him going forward, and that's Tyler Batty. So you're now listening to Cougar Tracks with Tyler Batty every single week during the BYU football season. Tyler, I'm excited for this, man. Yeah, man. Happy to be here. This is going to be fun. So the pride of pace. And I, I want to, you know, with this po- podcast every single week, last year I had Chaz Ayu on, and, and I really enjoyed the conversations with Chaz. They were, they were a lot of fun. We're going to broach a lot of topics, you know, whether it be football and whatever topics you want to hit on. This is kind of your platform every single week for 30 minutes. But in this episode, you know, Cougar fans know you, the player, they, they, and I think they're still kind of getting to know you too, because I think there's still a lot of room to grow. But in this episode, I want to kind of get to, to know you maybe off the field a little bit as well. So tell us, you know, when did you start playing football as a kid? Is it something that you were always drawn to? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I grew up in Payson, Utah. My parents have lived there for 30 now, 30 years now. Um, I'm the youngest of seven kids. And so, uh, and so I, I have a lot of older siblings that kind of did their own thing. Um, but from day one, football was always it for me. Uh, from the time I could remember, like, earliest memories, honestly, are just wanting, wanting to go play football. Like, as soon as I played, it was probably, honestly, elementary school. You know what I mean? First grade, maybe, you know, flag <laughs> football, I don't know. Um but ever since then, I just like continuous stream of memories of just like playing football with my buddies, you know, rec league, and then at school, and then you know, starting to play tackle through junior high. But uh, 
But yeah, football has always been it. In your family, uh, football family, like your dad? No, uh, nope. So I don't really have my dad, uncles. No one's really, no one really uh, participated in college athletics at all. Um, so honestly, my older siblings, I, I either I had a, I, I had a few siblings um, that that uh, that competed, you know, in, in in some different sports, but it was a lot of. Uh, uh, in the downhill bicycle industry or on a track riding dirt bikes. Um, just, yeah, a lot, a lot of just any, anything outdoors. That's what we grew up with. So anything outdoors on horseback on four wheeler dirt bike, whatever it was just getting outside and having fun. So a lot of my siblings pursued that even, even professionally. Um, for me, it was football and yeah, no one else in the family really, yeah. Played, I would say what you would call a, I don't know, uh, your regular sport, if you will, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, <laughs> Did you like BYU football growing up? Um, yeah, I mean, and that's and that's the other thing. Growing up, we didn't watch a lot of sports. Hmm. So we weren't, it wasn't like a, you know, we weren't a big Super Bowl Sunday family. It was, we just spent a lot of time outside. We just yeah. spent a lot of time doing things. And so we never sat down and watched sports and so it wasn't until I was, you know, late junior high, high school that me and my buddies would get together and you know what I mean? We'd watch our favorite teams, you know, we'd watch the NBA finals, we'd watch college football playoffs and national title game and you know, that's when I really started to follow the NFL more, you know. And so yeah, grow growing up we didn't we didn't really watch sports. And when you got to high school, so Payson High, and I looked this up, last time before you, uh BYU had a scholarship athlete from Payson. It was 1979, so it had been a minute. And Payson, I don't imagine, is a recruiting hotbed per se. So was it when you started to you know take on football at Payson, was it kind of tough to get some recruiting attention? Yeah, honestly, because of, because it was a path that no one in my family or immediate circle was familiar with. Yeah, it's a completely. I think that's that way for most people. You know, yeah. for most parents, it's not like they've been through this over and over again unless you have a family of freaks you know <laughs> the nakuas or you know um families like or the ayus you know they that have been through this before um because it is a game like recruiting yeah. is a there's an art to it in, oh. in a way oh totally oh going totally through the camp circuit going doing all these things and testing well, well and that's and that's and that's kind of what i found honestly i started to, i i started to go to camps just to get better Right, just to because I wanted to learn how to be a better player on the field, and then then I realized, oh well, that's where you get exposure. Yeah, um, I remember I mean, reading something about you from like Blair Angulo on Scout back in the day, and you were like in the it was like the P with a lion, like the cutoff yeah. shirt. Was like, <laughs> this Tyler Batty cat's like standing out. I got a duly noted. He's on the radar now. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was it was funny, man, because. Um, so the reason the last scholarship player from Payson uh, was in 1979 is because that's about when we won our last state Ooh. championship. So it's been a little over 40 years, 45 years since uh, Payson's been to the to the title game even. Um, so, yeah, there's, there wasn't a lot of interest. In, and while I was in high school, our program wasn't phenomenal uh, either. We won, we, won, uh, three, we won two games in three years So while I was playing. Um, so a lot of it was camps. Uh, it started out as, yeah, trying to get better, trying to figure stuff out. And then I was like, oh, well, this is where the action's at. This is where the scout, like, this is where the, you know, the recruiters are, the coaches, the college coaches are at these camps. And then it was like, all right, well, 
more camps I go to, I guess, learning. And I, I did. I did. I learned a lot of those camps, but also getting to know people and making connections with different coaches. So, How would you describe uh, – Maybe you as a as a high school kid. Like for me, I was like a shy. I mean, it's people that I know now that they go, "You're in what job? Like how you never spoke? You would cry in church when you were asked to <laughs> give a prayer or a talk. You get this bright red face. I still do that. But I mean, what about you? What was like your personality? Like were you outspoken? Were you like kind of the class clown? What were you like? Ben? Um, I was a punk in high school for sure. <laughs> honestly, like to be honest, uh, there's probably a lot of people that are going to hear this and, and just nod their head in agreement and just be like, "Yes, he was," um, you know. But you know, things have changed. Try to try to you know be a more responsible <laughs> citizen as we get older. Um, but no, I, I was yeah, I was just uh, my my family. We just kind of grew up rough and tumble, and so mm. I was loud. I was I got I got in a good amount of trouble just doing a lot of things, um, but. Yeah, that's that's kind of who I was in high school, and uh, and uh, yeah. So the so, rough and tumble style, like lifestyle, defensive line, going back to football. Yeah, honestly, that, that works great for you. It's it fits right into the picture. Yeah, for sure. So you took did you played uh, defensive line then throughout your time at Payson, or did you play other positions? Yeah. So uh, so my sophomore, so my freshman year, I actually uh, summer before my freshman year. Uh, I sustained a head injury and wasn't able to compete my freshman year. Um, and so didn't play my freshman year and then came in sophomore year. And that's just kind of the natural position kind of fell into uh, was playing right offensive tackle and outside linebacker <laughs> <laughs> and doing you know, a bunch of other stuff anywhere else um, I could fit in and, and, and do some. So. And then that just kind of transitioned, you know. Uh, next year it was like, well, right tackle and D end, and then it was like, well, tight end and defensive end, and that's why I kind of played my senior year before, uh, yeah, before graduating. And before you graduated, you your recruitment did take off. You had offers from BYU and Utah, and I remember uh, you and I first spoke. I remember I was at a, a, a sports radio station that's now gone. It's it was thirteen twenty, but I was also working for Rivals dot com, and you got. A BYU offer, and I remember we had a conversation because I had heard when you got the offer um, that this this Tyler Batty guy, I was hearing from people around BYU, he is going to be a big time player, Mitch. And I'm like, duly noted again. Like I, I was like, <laughs> I got to talk to this guy then. And uh, I remember we spoke, and I remember that passion for football that you're describing now uh, resonated uh, in, in that conversation we had had. And I and I bring that up because uh, you know sometimes when I talk to to recruits or, or players. And this this aligns with Kalani Sataki too. He loves guys that love football, and I could sense that you had a love for football. And I was thinking, this guy, man, he's going to work very well with Kalani Sataki and uh, the BYU offer. Uh, clearly resonated with you. So, what went into your decision then? To uh, well, well, actually, first, let me ask: Do you remember that call we had back oh, in the day? Vividly, I, <laughs> I actually like I can remember it vividly. I was sitting in my basement. Kind of in a, in our in our family like in our family room, um, yeah. So it's it's actually funny, you know. You get those like still images in your brain, you know, of a moment ever. Yeah, I, I, I do remember that vividly. And I was like, this Mitch Harper, who is this guy? <laughs> yeah, I, I, well, back then, you know, it's like just working for rivals, covering the recruiting beat as hard as could be. And uh, uh, but I, I really enjoyed that conversation. And, and uh, you know, BYU clearly, you had BYU in Utah. That that's a uh, Unique uh, set of offers because, you know, two in-state schools, but Utah at the time, they're P5, you know, Pac-12, BYU is independent, you know, kind of new with Kalani Satake. 
What did you like about BYU? Like, what went into that decision to pick the Cougars over the Utes? Um, honestly, a lot. Uh, like I said, I was a punk in high school. I was a punk and a half. Um, and so credit to uh, Ituyaki and, and Ty Detmer, who were, recru- uh, who were recruiting me at the time, um, because I, growing up, both my parents attended BYU for a little bit of time. Um, and so we were, we were BYU fans, more or less. My siblings attended BYU. Um, and so pretty much grew up a BYU fan. So I can't, I was coming to the summer camps, right? I spent a lot of time here on BYU campus. And honestly, when BYU offered me, I wasn't super like, uh, Convinced? I, I wasn't like one of the. There's a lot of guys on our team like, oh, as soon as BYU offered me, I committed. They get that summer camp yeah. offer, and it's it's done. It's done because like that's their family tradition. Or whatever. for me, it was like, nah. And I was still in high school in that like rebellious phase, and I was like, yep. well, if that's what my parents want, that's <laughs> yeah. that's that's what I don't want to do, right? See, and I'll admit, as as someone that was observ- just kind of thinking like, what's BYU's 2017 class going to look like? I'm thinking. Baddie's kind of like waiting on BYU. That doesn't bode well because Utah is, they're like, they got Sack Lake City going on. You know, even after Kalani leaves, they're, they're rocking and roll with that defensive line, getting guys in the league. I'm thinking Utah's probably going to get this guy and he's going to turn out to be a, a stud of Utah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there was, yeah. It, honestly, that's where things were leaning. I, honestly, I was leaning out of state. Uh, really? Just because I, you know, I was like, I kind of, I want to go experience something new. I want to get out of Utah. Who, who else offered you? Um, so Hawaii. There was okay. an, there was an offer on the table from Hawaii. There was an offer on the table from UCLA. Um, and then let's see. There were there. I'm trying to remember. Um, he had options though. There were there were there were a couple, and then there was a couple back east at, at some at some Ivy Leagues, um, which like Princeton, Dartmouth, those guys, which was cool. I actually took an official back to Princeton. It was a cool school, but. That's cool. I was looking at a state, and I really I was like, man, I don't want to stay. I don't want to stay around here. And then um, I was just kind of taking my officials and and going. And and honestly, I kind of just <laughs> this sounds sounds pretty bad, but honestly, this is how it went down. Is um, I remember getting a call. I was I was working, so in high school I sold solar. So I was out knocking doors, and it was it was pretty late. It was five or six one evening, and I was still out knocking doors. And I get a call from uh, Coach Duyaki, and he's like, hey. You know, we really want to get you up on uh, up on campus. We want to, we want want you to come on an official. Um, him and Ty had already, I think, at this point, had already been down to my place and had breakfast with like me and my parents. and And I was like, you know, yeah, I've seen BYU. But I'm really not interested in taking an official. Mm. Honestly, that is a huge jerk. Like, I was like. I, that's a terrible thing. You don't. You just don't do that, man. Recruits you just don't do that. You just don't do that. You don't tell some coach, "Hey, actually, no, I really, I don't want to." Like, you don't say that, especially to a school that's like recruiting the crap out of you is local. Um, and so, I honestly, I on my mission, I wrote, I wrote E, and I was like, "Hey, man, I'm really sorry for being a jerk in high school because I was. I was just, yeah, I was in way over my head. I had no clue what I was doing, and I was, I was a turd." So. Um, but, uh, honestly, uh, as, as, as that kind of wrapped up and those guys just, I mean, yeah, again, credit to them. They just kept recruiting me and, uh, you know, then the, the mission was coming up. All right. Am I going to serve a mission? I'm going to serve a mission. And then it kind of hit me and I was like, I'm going to be away from home for two years. Um, out of the schools that I had surveyed, honestly, BYU to me felt like it had the most potential. Um, maybe wasn't, like you said, wasn't maybe producing the most at the moment, yep. But I really liked uh, Coach Satake and, and his vision for the program. That's really what brought me into BYU. Um, was honestly, I think it was just is the place I needed to be. 
um, all things said and done. And, and, and one of the, I think the biggest things that alerted me to the program, just generally speaking, was Coach Satake's vision. And, and, you know, and that's, and that's still ongoing. And, and, I think there's plenty that he still has to yet unroll. So yeah, that is uh, that's great stuff. Uh, I, I, that's uh, you know you, you sign with BYU in the 2017 class, and you come back from the mission. And I remember, uh, I think it was what 2019. You come back. I think you gray shirted that year. Yep. I remember the picture like in front of the temple with the what was it? Uh, you had to, when you came back from your mission. I think, but you gray shirted. And uh, what was? During that time, like the BYU experience, when you actually enroll in 2020, I think it was that winter. What uh, what did you think of of college football and just maybe the the BYU lifestyle? Were you happy with your decision still? Oh, a- absolutely. Um, yeah, got here. So I gray shirted with a great great group of guys. Um, so Caleb Christensen was there. Fisher Jackson was there. Ryan Rico. Um, trying to think who else was in our gray shirt. There's a couple other guys. Um, that aren't that aren't playing anymore for various reasons, but uh, that we had, we had a really good gray shirt group, and so we worked out all fall together, and we were really hyped to uh, to you know get playing, and then well, and then COVID hit, yep. so it was like oh BYU, here we go, college experience. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're two months in, and and this is a college experience nobody's had, so like here we go, <laughs> and so honestly. I didn't. I didn't even get any spring ball in. So we got a. We got about a week of March of 2020 for spring ball before things got shut down. I was sick for that entire week and lost like 15 pounds. Wow. I don't know what it was. I don't. I don't know if it was COVID or what I had, but something hit me and I was like on the couch for that entire week. Jeez. And then we were gone. So here we come, fall camp. It was like a fire hose. That's what it was like. It was just like I. This is way. This is so much stuff. That and you I'm guys just, are wearing the face shields. And yeah, <laughs> I remember seeing like the pictures of Dax Mill with that fa- that face mask shield. I'm like, yeah. this isn't gonna work. Come no. on, these, they're not even gonna get games. How's this gonna work? Yeah, it was it was absolutely wild. Um, <laughs> honestly, that that fall camp and that whole season and everything for it to be a first season. Yeah, it was. <laughs> It was absolutely crazy. Yeah, that 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 is wild, and uh, I'm sure at some points so we can uh, get into some of that. I, you know, the, you mentioned experience, college experience. One thing that that coincides with the BYU experience and, and kind of BYU way is a lot of student athletes they they find a spouse at BYU. You are a married man. Uh, your wife uh, Elena, she's here in suit. I don't know if she wants to hop on the mic or anything, but. Uh, uh, it, what, when did you meet Elena? And uh, you know, just that experience of now being a a student athlete that's playing at a high level at a visible program that's got a passionate fan base, but uh, also being a married man as well. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. 
Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, as as to being married, I, for me, that was just kind of, yeah, just kind of like the next thing. You know, I'm home. How'd you guys meet? So uh, we were... So we have to, and it's funny because it always starts out this way. But so everyone can kind of get a reference for time. It was when BYU beat Gonzaga at home. BYU men's basketball. That works so well for me. Like that—that's how I look right? at my calendar. I always map it out. My wife thinks that's very weird. I said it's that that day, <laughs> that Monday after BYU beat so and so. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so February twenty seventh, twenty twenty. All right. Yeah, yeah. You know the date yes. exactly. So. Um, after that game, right? So there, there were parties going on all over. It was the weekend, whatever. Um, there were parties going on all over. And so we, we, uh, this is uh, your show, Tyler. So you can tell us how you want it. Okay. No. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, so after, after we beat Gonzaga, that was great. We, uh, me and a couple buddies, um, Ryan Rico and Austin Briggs, we headed to the village for, for a party, um, and funny enough, Caden Hawes and his wife Anna were were uh, kind of running security, bouncing the door, if you will, whatever, admitting people to the party. And uh, and so, of course, we go in and and we're doing our thing. And of course, at like any party, it's hot and sweaty and <laughs> in a tiny little clubhouse at the village, right? And so uh, we would we just go out. We take break. We take breaks. We'd go out and help Caden and his wife, you know, just admit people and just hang out outside and cool off. And so. Um, that's where I actually met first met Elena. Um, was there and and nothing and nothing happened that night. Just like she, her and her friends came in, said hi. Um, I'm not a stalker, but I, I did stalk her. Uh, found out I just knew her first name and that she played soccer down at Snow College, and so um, that's and that was it for the night. So sure enough, I I uh, I, I look up Snow College's roster. <laughs> um, I was like, oh okay, gotta find this girl from Snow College. Um, so I look up Snow College's roster, find her full name, and then of course go to Instagram. If you yep. say you don't stalk people on Instagram, everyone you're lying. Does. Yeah, everyone like does. Instagram, Facebook, <laughs> everyone knows. Everyone's like, oh, looked at their LinkedIn. No, you go, you look at their Facebook, you look at their Instagram. Yep. So uh, that's what I did. I found her Instagram, followed her, and uh, and then that was it uh, for a couple months. And then COVID hit, and she came back up to Provo. Um, to back to her parents' house, and we started talking and hung out, and then we pretty much just spent all of COVID together. Wow. And that's cool. Yeah, here we are. So it's it was fun. That's really neat. Uh, so there was some good things then from COVID. Then oh, absolutely, our <laughs> marriage is one of them. So that's amazing. That's that's so cool. And and uh, is it tough though being uh, you know because uh, uh, college football today like. You know, back in the day when I talked to some of the the guys in the you know seventies, eighties, nineties, it's like <laughs> it was an off season. They'd show up and they'd work their way back into fall camp. You guys, you don't have that. I mean, it's it's a nonstop. You go from January to basically the bowl game. It's a nonstop grind. I mean, what's that like being married, but also be a student, also playing a high level football and having you know aspirations in this sport. Dude, it's it, honestly it's packed, and and we joke about it all the time. It's just like, well, where did the off season go? I swear we were just in Shreveport. Like, on honestly, honestly, it it's like okay, we have five months. Okay, we have four months. All right, we have three months. Look, we still have two months left. Summer's not over. We still have a month till fall camp, and then it's we're in fall camp. We have a month till season, and then it's all right. Yeah. And then, and then time should pause, but it doesn't. And then all of a sudden we're back at January. Yeah. Um, but honestly, it's. It's busy um, with school and especially being married. 
um, you know, it's just you just have to kind of acclimate to um, kind of having your time pulled in so many different directions, right? Your time and energy and and priorities, you know, prioritizing prioritizing the right things, and um, but it is it is busy to say the least. And you mentioned Shreveport. Let's hope for BYU and your sake that you guys will go to a better bowl game and a better location this year. Because I was there in Shreveport, too. I'll speak on your behalf. That was sleet-filled, and it was terrible. Shreveport was downright awful. I was like, that is uh, – I don't know if you felt that way, but I was like, Ugh, I don't want to go there again. Uh, BYU, hopefully you guys have higher aspirations than the Independence Bowl, I would imagine. So let's look ahead to 2022. The season's going to kick off Saturday, September 3rd. USF in Tampa. You can hear all the action on KSL. It's a good, games are going to be on uh, ESPN, a bunch of different networks. We'll keep you posted there. But uh, how did fall camp go? What uh, what was achieved there? And how, what's the vibe of this team heading into 2022? We're excited. We're we're super excited. Um, as everyone knows, we're, we're returning a ton of production. We're returning a ton of guys. We lost you know a couple guys last year. Tyler Algier, of course, among among probably the most impactful. Sure. Um, but the guys that we have this year are just our workers. And, and honestly, what you said earlier about guys who, who love playing football, I feel like this, this team, all the dudes on it just love, they love playing football. You know, that, that's, I, I just, that always has resonated with me with, with Kalani. Cause in 2016, when I had the chance to talk to him, when he was the BYU head coach and he said, he's like, Mitch, I want to have guys that love just watching football, consuming football. And it's a year round thing. So that's kind of a theme then with these guys then. Yeah, 150%. Um, they're, they're motivated. They're self-motivated. They Dudes are just hungry. Yeah, guys, they want to learn. They want to improve. They want to get better. They want to know how they can help the team. They want to. They just want to play football and have fun and, and, you know, work their butts off. And so you can't, you can't ask. You can't ask for a better team, honestly. Um, and so I'm really excited. Uh, I think, I think the, the entire – vibe the atmosphere uh is just guys are excited guys are excited to just play football get what, on the field how uh how uh anxious or maybe how much of a chip on the shoulder i guess does the defense have after how the season ended i mean how how motivating has that been this offseason going into 2022 with so much returning experience i mean everyone's back on the defense except uh, lopa on the defensive line i mean pretty much I just look across the board. I mean, you got your back, Earl Tuioti Mariner, who I think people are sleeping on. I think he's a guy that's going to have a huge impact on the D line. You know, Josh Larson. You know, I, I mean, you know the names. I'd be like, yeah. for for the listeners out there who are getting up to speed a bit, you know, this is a group that that's experienced. So how how uh, much of a chip on the shoulder has is there with this group to uh, kind of uh, you know get past what happened at the end of last season? Massive, honestly. Um. Every single guy on our D line has that chip. I would say every single guy on our defense has that chip. They want to make our presence felt in every single game, um, which is something that yeah we we kind of struggled to do last season. Honestly, there were then I mean, we had we had highs and lows, um, but this year guys want to see a lot more high. You know what I mean? They want they want to they want to show people. Who we are uh, as a defense? Tough, physical, competitive, smash mouth. You're not. You're not going to run on us. You're not going to throw on us. We're going to come after you every single play of every single game. Honestly, I, I think that is the that is the feeling that is shared by the entire defense. 
um, from the secondary all the way down to the D line. Everyone just wants to punch you in the face. Are there certain you know benchmarks or maybe for fans that uh, you know when they quantify? Because the thing is, it's interesting about BYU last year. You guys can win in a lot of ways. You know, you can win a you know twenty-one and nineteen game against Washington State, a pack you know Pac-12 team, or you could win you know sixty-six to forty-nine. I know you probably don't want to have that yeah, type exactly. of performance, but you guys can win in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, so for the fan listening, you know, what? How will they be able to quantify that toughness? Is there certain like statistical metrics that you guys are aspiring to to reach with this defense, or, or maybe just some some goals or metrics that you guys want to hit this season? Hundred percent. I mean, I think one of the biggest things is uh, as a defense, you want to get turnovers. You want to first one. You want to get teams off the field, and two, you want to force turnovers. Um, I think we're going to see a lot more of both of those this year. And and the last one is keep points off the board. Yeah. That at the at the end of the day, uh, pretty or ugly, that's what it comes down to is keeping teams out of the end zone. Um, and so, really, those those three things, the first two, really just contribute to the last one. It's yeah, get teams three and outs, force turnovers, fumbles, picks, whatever it is, working in as as a defensive unit um, to then keep teams out of the end zone, and not just not just out of the end zone, but far away from it. You know, when we talk about the defensive line, when I say we, maybe the media, uh, you know, I think fans too, you're the first thing that gets brought up. Even Tuiaki mentioned in fall camp, like they said, it's kind of a nameless group. Uh, he said outside of Tyler Batty. Uh, do you, are you kind of a, a leader on this defensive line and uh, defense as a whole? Um, yeah, uh, I, I, I would definitely say yes. I, I feel. I know it's awkward to talk yeah, about. Yeah, so, like, so <laughs> Honestly, it's, 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 it's hey, Cougar tracks with no. Um No, I, I, uh, I feel a very, a very certain sense of pride and uh, a certain level of a certain standard that we need to to uphold. Um, and so, yeah, I, I do everything in, in my power to hold myself one to that standard of what I believe that we can achieve, and to the guys around me, right. Um, Holding them and and doing doing whatever I can um, again to just it just comes back to helping the team right uh, to to helping us win but to to again to contribute to those things right however I can help our guys get three and outs and create turnovers you know what I mean or just creating a competitive tough spirit or whatever it is um, yeah I just trying to elevate that standard and, and hold that standard and everyone knows what it is and can meet it so. Are we overdoing it with the whole getting sacks bit, like the media? I mean, I mean, not saying you hear the noise, but I'm sure you, I'm sure some people hear it. You know, like is is are we blowing too much smoke up with that? Like BYU needs to get sacks. Um, I mean, I like sacks. <laughs> yeah, I, I really say, like, like sacks. Uh, sacks are my favorite part yeah. of football. Um, <laughs> as a defensive end, <laughs> sacks. Yeah, uh, that's NFL what I dream te- about. NFL teams paid a Big lot of money, money for they, for they a guy do. that you get sacks. Um. Honestly, I think uh, when when you when you when you look at a defense, um, I mean, there's and honestly, there's been years when BYU has had you know whatever maybe been in the top twenty five as a unit as a D line you know for sacks and they go what five and seven or something like that. So stats don't always reflect necessarily how a defense is doing, right? Um, at the end of the day, right, points scored on us per game. That's that's the biggest factor. And so honestly, I would I would trade all my sacks this season if we could 
hold every single uh opponent scoreless right if like in 2020 you guys darn near did that right I mean, yeah. exactly um but again sacks and defensive plays sacks turn to strip sacks those are turnovers that contributes to getting our offense back on the field getting the defense off the field and to us winning a game and so i think it's i, I think it's a i don't know maybe not maybe a little overemphasized maybe maybe not honestly i don't know um but uh, I think it definitely it is it is one way to maybe show how disruptive we are being with an offensive passing game. It's going to be a fun year, Tyler. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm excited for for you guys. This is going to be a, a really good team. Uh, I feel like this year. I mean, is are you guys setting a uh, as we kind of wrap this thing up for week one? Is there a certain win total? I mean, I, I mean, you guys are probably going into thinking every you win every game, but uh, how do you define success this year? Um, undefeated season. I, I think you want, I, yeah, undefeated season. Make a run for uh, for a bowl game, for a playoff appearance. I think that defines success. We have a, I mean, we've seen in the past two seasons. Um, we have a good team. We have a good program. That I think is where we are at as a team and as a program. That's how you begin to define success. It's not. It's not. All right, we went positive or ah, oh, we're bowl eligible. It's okay. How close were we to a New Year Six? How close were we to a playoff appearance? Playoff appearance. How close were we to a national title appearance? You know what I mean? Yeah. Stuff like that. I think. I think as you get towards the kind of the the top, that's how you begin to define success. Well, so and BYU football. I mean, it's always been a program built on dreaming big and, and trying to reach the highest of highs. And with the personnel you guys got, Jaron Hall on offense, the receivers. I mean, I can only imagine how good. How much improvement you guys are having defensively going up against the level of play on the off on the offense? So uh, I know your time is precious. So this is only week one. Fans, we're going to have this every single week. Tyler Batty here on Cougar Tracks, and and Tyler, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation today. Hope you enjoyed it, and uh, looking forward to uh, chats every single week during the BYU football season. Absolutely, thanks, Mitch. Great stuff there from Tyler Batty. Every single week, you're going to hear from Tyler. On Cougar Tracks here on KSLSports.com. Keep in mind, the episodes will upload Wednesday night, Thursday morning. You'll have those available to listen and get Tyler's insight every single week throughout the BYU football season. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Going to enjoy the conversations with Tyler. Uh, he's a lot of fun. I think this is going to be a exciting deal having Tyler Batty as part of Cougar Tracks into the 2022 football season. So here's a rundown of what we got on Cougar Tracks this season. And there's going to be more, so stay tuned. Monday, typical show. Wednesday, typical show. Wednesday night, Thursday morning, the Tyler Batty edition. And then Friday, you'll have Cougar Tracks as well. There will also be a Saturday night post-game show. Sunday might work in some things with some rewatchables. It's going to be a lot of fun. Cougar Tracks is going to be locked and loaded this year. I cannot wait. Hope all of you enjoy. So make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Leave a rating and review. It helps out the show a ton. Talk to you next time here on the Cougar Tracks podcast powered by kslsports.com.
stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.